hear it? Yeah. <gasps> We're on the air. Ladies and gentlemen, it is WSCA 106.1 Portsmouth, and you have the distinct pleasure of listening to the Weird People Show. We are sure very do. excited for the show that we have lined up for sure you. We are. wrote something for this week. It's not going to be all improv. We have, I'm seeing one, two, three, four stories, and then we have a guest musical appearance from a local uh, troubadour. How would you describe our guest? Uh, he is um, all of our cousin. Yes. Can you? Oh, I'm too loud. Sorry. Yes, I am too loud. I will make myself better. Yes. And I'm going to turn this up so I feel better. We'll be having loudness. an appearance from our collective cousin. You all know and love him, even if you don't, yet, even if you aren't yet aware of that. <clears throat> Can you, gen- can you other fellers hear, uh, no? Oh, sorry. Sing women like this. I am. I there am. we go. Oh, welcome to the sounds. Hey. hey. Thanks for yes. inviting us to the first party. thing I said with the mic turned yes. on? We've achieved, <laughs> we've achieved test, auditory test. inclusion. Uh, for all of you, for all listeners who are concerned, we do have an HR department that rules this radio show with an iron fist. Yes. show lined up and an even lovelier intro song we are about to get into it the weird people show wsca 106.1 portsmouth uh, I, I, I start too early. Are we, are we you're so to go? good okay no we're not ready we're just gonna just oh, hang out here yeah, for ages just hang out my my car has mechanical oh, problems my my car oh, has, has mechanical, mechanical problems. problems i can fix them my my, my sister, sister doesn't talk no to me. Where I, is oh, she? No. My, my, my car, my car doesn't talk, talk to, to my me, sister. and I can't talk to my sister. My car's a mute. My, my sister, sister don't mechanical problems. My car's a mute. My car's a mute. My sister don't talk. My car's a mute. Oh, this is the actual intro song. Wait, 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 wait. Hey, hey, 
gonna end up on the fifth floor of the study hall. You're gonna end up on the fifth floor of the study hall too! <laughs> You're listening to the Weird People Show, ladies and gentlemen. This is WSCA LP Portsmouth. LP, that's very important in our legal ID, okay? Where's WSCA LP Portsmouth? WSCAFM.org 106.1 on the snail do or you can call us hey listen you can call us okay that's 603-430-9722 and listen we have a parallel podcast okay yeah. it's up it's hot Ooh. I'm not told I'm gonna push it to you guys you know the real listeners out there on the radio you can type in the weird people show to any um, podcast engine now the reason I'm not fully Oh, hold on. We have a call. We have a call. Hello? Uh, hello. I heard that there was a podcast. Where's the quickest way I can access that? Please. I need it stat. I need it in an IV drip in my body. It's fine. You just Man, type it. Man, the weird fandom it. is weird these days. Type the weird people show into anything. Anything at all. Here's the thing, though. I keep typing it into Spotify. It hasn't come up yet. Spotify takes the longest to approve Wait, things. what's it called? The weird people show. And I just type okay. that into the computer. Let me Let me check Spotify. Oh, that's you. Okay, good. Yeah, that's just me. <laughs> Hasn't come up yet for me on Spotify, but I tried yesterday. So the Weird People show does not come up, but no. the one album, uh, Whiskey Joe, live on the radio with the Weird People does yes. appear. Wait, Whiskey Joe, isn't that the collective cousin we're having on later in yes, the show? Yes, it is. is. Oh, yeah. true. Yes, it is. This is so exciting, See, it all guys. comes together yeah. in, this, in, this, in this beautiful web of glorious... Fun that we have. How trillions of cells combine together to form a mushroom or a toadstool or another kind of plant. Right. Yes. Whiskey Uh, Joe live on the radio with the weird people on Spotify. Brought to you by Taco Rat Records, your hometown source for strange audio oddities. Now, I've heard that we also have a news segment that's going to play before all this so our listeners can be kept abreast of current events. Form a mushroom or a toadstool. Form a mushroom or a toadstool. Form a mushroom. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Mushroom or a toadstool. Form a 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 mushroom or a toadstool. Not adjust your radio. Form a mushroom or a The following presentation is brought to you by the Weird People Show. Form a mushroom or a toadstool. Form a mushroom or a toadstool. Form a mushroom or a toadstool. Okay, yeah, we'll be doing that later. We'll be doing that later, okay? I started, started to get a little tripped out now. Okay, now, uh, did we finish what you were saying with the whole lineup there? Oh, yeah, so we have a new segment for you guys to keep all listeners abreast of current events. It's important to be an informed citizen if you're going to participate in this uninformed democracy. Oh, the fans, they don't know that we've actually switched the news host. Very exciting. Oh, 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 oh moving on. That, after the news segment, we have the ballad of Marcus P. Fletcher, a fascinating piece of lore that illuminates some of the background historical context of another one of our stories written in the iambic pentameter, the pleasing prose style of Dr. Seuss. Moving on from that, we have a piece uh, that's sort of like a documentary piece that's sort of like an interview slash insider's look at how the French legionnaires speak to one another. We're very excited to show you that. Uh, then... You're going to hear from our star musical guest, Whiskey Joe, the collective cousin, the one true and only. Uh, Finally, after that, we have a report on the flesh, uh, which you'll understand when we get there. Maybe you won't understand it, actually. It's taken us like three or four times reading through the piece to truly grasp all the subtle implications. It's quite subtle. True, true, true. All right, so I think that without further ado, we ought to inform our listeners. True, true, true. Begin the news. True. That's right. And now, Is ladies and gentlemen, there? the news. Edgar! Edgar! Oh, 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 oh my gosh! I want 
going to the hospital for you, Edgar. Edgar. I love you, Edgar. Wait a second. <coughs> Who's that? Uh, guys, Ed- Edgar's not here this week. I'm his brother, Alan. It's really good. What? No. Here. Who's Alan? L- let me just get started here. What? Let me just get started, guys. You, w- I, I you won't even notice this. this. Alan, I wanted to I see Edgar. I cannot believe this. I wanted to see Edgar. It's all right, guys. It's okay. I, s- I quit my job to come here. Hello? Where's Edgar? I wanted to see Edgar. Um. Wow. Sorry. He's uh, as you. It's Alan. Okay. Let's let's all let's all give our attention. Okay. Fine. To Alan. March fifteenth, twenty twenty five. Restore parking lot. Cause unknown. That's all I'm gonna say. Okay. He's a nice guy. And it's he's the news. It's Alan. He's a nice guy. And he's reading the news. It's Alan. It's Alan's day. Welcome back to the 13 o'clock news. Seeing as my brother Edgar is currently on a quest to free the giant turtle that holds the earth on its back, his brother Alan, that's me, will be taken over until he returns. (laughs) Ah, yeah! In the event of my sudden disappearance, my younger sister Poe will read the news segment. That being said, let's hope it doesn't come to that. (laughs) Trust me, you do not want to have to deal with that Poe. Oh, and uh, donate to my GoFindMe to help me obtain the funds I need to keep hiding from the FBI and CIA. Anyway, let's get to the news. Okay, let's see here. The main thing on the docket today is a recent update on certain copyright laws. Yeah, okay. All right. um, Ever since a preteen girl from Seward, Alaska uploaded verifiable proof to TikTok that Ouija boards do in fact summon spirits... Aggressive lobbying from multiple corporations has caused Congress to update the laws around when a story enters public domain. In the past, copyright law required creators to wait 70 years after the death of an author before their stories could be used by other people. Now, the government is insisting that writers and artists use Ouija boards to get express written permission from the ghost of whoever created the intellectual property they wish to use. Of course, this has created quite an uproar in the art community for numerous reasons. Many people have tried to get the law repealed, pointing out that it's simply too impractical to expect writers to perform a seance whenever they wish to build off the ideas of older writers. I don't have that kind of money for candles. Congress has yet to clarify whether there is a statute of limitations on how recently someone has to have died before you no longer need their permission. Just a week ago, a filmmaker was fined two to the second power plus four wide dollars for trying to make a film adaptation of Pandora's box since he failed to get written permission from the ancient Greek poet Hesiod, who first codified the tale. Not to mention the the potential language barriers. Linguists and historians have been in a tizzy trying to figure out how to help people ask for copyright permission from ghosts who only speak a dead language. A word of advice from our field reporters. If you're going to try to summon an ancient Roman person, it's best to just write down whatever you're trying to say, since even if you speak Latin, the spirit will have immense trouble understanding your pronunciation. Well, that's it for now, folks. Good luck to anyone trying to get permission to use other people's stories. I'm Alan, and as always, thank you for listening to the 13 O'Clock News. Oh, this Alan guy. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, he's growing on me a little bit. Do they have an Alan. Do they have an outro song for this? <gasps> Hold on. <laughs> 
He's nice guy and he reads the news. It's Alan. It's The Weird People Show and viewers like you. Thank you. Please note that the views expressed by Alan are not our views, nor the views of the station, its board of trustees, or any of its allies. Alan is an outlier, and we we don't know him. We're not even sure how he got into the studio, actually. Dudes, you guys, it's Foley. I have this cool thing, but it's not working. Aww. It's supposed to, like, play your guitar for you. Well, is that from Tesla? Yeah, dude. Elon Musk strikes again. It's a, it's a soundstone, dude. It's not doing anything. Yet another underperforming product from the makers of Rocket Co. Rocket Co. I want to let you guys know that we're brought to you by Melt Meal. So there, Melt Meal, the meal that melts. Yes, Melt Meal. Just a few minutes in the microwave, clothes dryer, or conventional oven, and Melt Meal melts into an edible puddle. Spoon it, suck it. Mop it with a straw. Melt mail. We're also brought to you by Bunker Busters. Are you tired of your wealthier neighbor having insurance against the apocalypse? You've seen him out there, digging a bunker, thinking his family's going to survive nuclear Armageddon. Hire Bunker Busters to bust his bunker and burst his bubble. Don't let your neighbor survive when you're going to be embalmed. Ro- brought to you by Rocket Co. Rocket Co. Petbot. Petbot uses patented algorobotic technology to anticipate your pet cat dog, or possum's undesirable behavior and make appropriate adjustments to your reality so you don't have to. PetBot's combination of suction, time travel, and electric shock ensures that you can relax and ignore your pet entirely. PetBot, another solution forced upon the world by Rocket Co. Rocket Co. Brought to you by Mel the Sour Pickles. Pickles so sour, they're downright unpleasant. Yes, our friends at Mel the Sour Pickles use the choices on ripe limes, pure citric acid, and the bitterest of feelings to make these unbearably sour pickles. <laughs> so next time you visit your local grocer, won't you inquire about Mel the Sour Pickles? Mel the Sour Pickles. If you try them, you won't try them again. Oh. All these sour pickles. All oh, these pickles are sour. I just, I just <laughs> spit on the mic so many times. <laughs> Don't not tell anybody. Sour pickles. <laughs> <laughs> and a pickle. sister company. Oh, oh, oh. oh, folks, calm down. And a sister company of Meredith Sour Pickles is Fleischmann's Rotten Vegetables. Yes, Fleischmann's Rotten Vegetables, providing the freshest vegetables people like you can't afford. <laughs> oh, Fleischmann's Rotten Vegetables. If it's not fresh, it's Fleischmann's. Brought to you by Rocket Co. Rocket Co. And by Vito. Do your kids come home every day covered in the blood of innocence? I know mine do. It's time for me to use my Vito. Sorry, Mom. Yes, Vito. I can use my Vito and get my kids back out there to doing the things that they do best. Murder. Don't forget your bunker busters, Bobby. Thanks, Mom. Well, folks, we're happy to put on the kind of advertisements here geared towards family, family lovers, and family-oriented types like ourselves. But it's time to get back into the creative stuff that makes this community radio, that makes this an enlightening, artistic enterprise. In fact, we're going to one of the best pieces in our lineup, the ballad of of Marcus P.
this started. 2,102 was the year, at a time and a place not far from our own. Indeed, on Earth, that miraculous spear, which we all have the honor to call our home. A mission, a mission of space exploration is due to embark. In three days and two nights, it's the very first flight with a fancy new engine, purported to travel at speeds nearing light by Rocket Co. Rocket Co. Towering Rocket Co. Glistening zenith of power and greed. Or as they might say at Rocket Co. Marketing. Powerful innovations for what the world needs. The mission was planned to the nth of degrees. Every scenario played, and again, every bolt tightened, each melon squeezed. A crack team of experts was shrewdly assembled, comprised of the finest available he, she's, and thems. At the helm was Jim Rogers, the hero of war. He could pilot a bus through a pin, they would say. Though when he returned from his overseas tour, they would say he was never the same. Of course, every good ship needs a good engineer, and that was Delaney O'Flaherty. A part of the ship she'd not fixed, redesigned, refit, or replaced was a rarity. Ashford Hall was the medic's security charge, for in those days to heal and to hurt was one job. Competent, friendly, observant, and large, with a look he could scare the corn right off the cob. And at navigation, oh wise navigation, the star of the ship and the show and the day, the venerable, incomparable Muriel Jackson, whose face graced the cover of Popular Mechanics in March Newsweek in April and Time, Life, People, L, Mademoiselle in Vogue in the month of May. Oh, Muriel Jackson, the great Mrs. Jackson, the recently widowed mother of three, who taught herself quantum-based astrogeometry while was working quadruple time, rescuing bees. Yes, Muriel Jackson, the great Mrs. Jackson, she had in spades what the rest of us lacked in, unflappable courage, infallible wisdom, kindness, empathy, infinite energy. And though it was said the crew shared equal authority in everyone's hearts and minds, she was the captain. The captain. The captain. A 20-star crew on a 20-star mission. A new ion engine with yet unmatched power. From our world to Jupiter, what before would take years would now be accomplished in under an hour. Or so it may have been, perhaps, if fate with fingers long and cold had not with hollow malice grasped our would-be heroes, though they were bold. For fate in her exuberations has no regard for preparation, only fools believe they have control. For so it was, on the first of June, Muriel kissed each of her children in turn, and set out on foot, as was her daily wont, towards the intersection of 17th and Washburn. And so it was that 1st of June, Bill Oatley, bus driver, 7th Civic, 
woke up that morning with a splitting headache. And so it was, Bill was so distracted by the pain being shot through his brain by his nerves that as he was crossing the intersection of 17th and Washburn, he failed to notice the woman who was absent-mindedly stepping off the curb. And so it was with a smack and a thud, and the cries of onlookers' dismay and compassion, and a child screaming, and a civil servant sobbing. Ascended the singular Muriel Jackson. Upon the top floor of the Rocket Co. Tower, executives anxiously paced to and fro, like wafts whose queen had gone suddenly missing, for indeed in more than one way it was so. So what is the plan, folks? The CEO blustered. With just days to the launch! And his high council heard there, at the richly carved great wooden table, Yet from those there gathered, there came not a word. They chewed on their fingers, they stared at their binders, they did everything save to look up and speak. The CEO scornfully scoffed at the silence, then turned to Paul Fletcher, navigational veep. Well, Polly, he said, calming. We're in quite a pickle. I'd rather eat tax than to cancel this launch. But Muriel, she was the face of the project. Who's the number two for her seat? The Veep flushed. Well, sir. The Veep stammered. Let me first say how tragic and above how all unexpected this is. The person is thoroughly prepared for this mission is Muriel Jackson, sir. Doesn't exist. Well, that said, there's a second. We did train a second, but I must say the second is no number one. Well... Who is it? The CEO snapped, losing patience. The second, Paul sheepishly said, is my son. If you climb to the top of Rocket Co. Tower and up once again up its spiraling spire, and then up the upper antenna still higher, a vista would stretch out before you like so. Just below you, the center of New Central Dayton. The world's largest city at that particular time buzzes and throbs in a furious anthem, the symphonic tantrum of bees in a hive. Look outward and witness the city sprawl further, the towers get smaller and plainer and curter, until out spills a lake, then an ocean of shanties, homes upon homes upon piles of homes. Out past the shanties there lies some green country, peppered with acre-sized transparent domes. In one of these air-controlled domes, there's a garden along with a house, and a place to put cars in, and a lawn, and a pool in the shape of marlin. But the garden, to thither, is whither we go. In this garden, glistening, green, and glowing, for Scythia, Ficus, et Flora are growing. And though the pool needs cleaning and the lawn needs mowing, a boy who might soon be a man sits alone. On his fingertip, a ladybug is perched. A white rat clings to the shoulder of his shirt. His other hand absently sifts through the dirt. It's like this, Marcus Fletcher, can feel the most calm. (sighs) Oh, Marcus P. Fletcher, so supple and new, aged a somewhat sheltered twenty-two, with hands as soft as undried glue, he very often misses his mom. She'd left when Mark was just a lad to live on the moon with a guy named Brad, and so Marcus was left there alone with his dad, Paul Fletcher, VP of Navigation at Rocket Co. Rocket Co. Paul Fletcher, nice to meet you. Speak of the devil, and around he turns, so appears Paul Fletcher from behind the ferns, 
with the face of a man who just never learns and keeps on getting in trouble. Uh, hey, kid. Says the father. I've, I've got a surprise. Hey, Dad. Replies Marcus, never taking his eyes from the ladybug perched on his hand, lest it fly. Then all the spells are broken by a buzzing from the sky, a rocket code delivery drone. The drone descends in a corkscrew distended, then ends its task by dropping a letter into the lap of Marcus P. Fletcher, which is precisely the lap it intended. Its task complete and claw unfettered, the bot buzzes out the window gate at the top of the dome. Marcus opens the letter, eyeing Dad with suspicion. Unfolding, he asks, Is there something I'm missing? Then he reads, Congratulations on becoming part of this historic mission. Report to the port in exactly one hour. He stops reading and looks up at his father. What? No! For though our young hero has trained for this task, he studied his planets and vectors and maps, he took all his testing and just barely passed. He never once thought for a moment he'd go. He trained for Nav second as a favor to father, though doubtless were many who'd kill or go farther for just half a chance at this singular charter, yet Marcus would rather be left with his hoe. He sets down his rat. He folds up his leather. He gets up from the dirt, thus facing his father. He looks down at his seed bed and up to the sky. Then he leaves home forever, not saying goodbye. Yeah. We did it. Good job. Oh, thank you to Zinjay for a lot of reading. Thank you for giving me the chance to read a little poem. That was fun. Yep. And you're welcome the world uh, from me yeah. for writing that. Now, that's uh, something that we're working on here. What it is, it's kind of a historical religious document in our little special world. And uh, we're going to keep doing little episodes from that. But we also have another series coming up that's going to relate to it. And you'll see every single series that wants to is going to be related to this it's the dark tower of our universe okay all right now ladies and gentlemen it's time for us to now move on to our next little piece of theatrical audio or you might call it radio theater with an re or an er don't much matter to me i'm whiskey joe by the way i'll see you a little bit later now we're going to do a little piece by our good friend moxie mike and it's going to be read uh, by Daisy Wine Wyatt, who is prepping. He has got his robe on. He has strapped his gloves fully onto his fists, and he seems to be uh, ready to take on this undertaking. The French Legionnaires of Peoria, Illinois. Chapter 1. General Debegrade Bob Uker sat at his oversized desk in the red velour office of the third story of the French Foreign Legion, Peoria. The Peoria branch of the Legion was housed in a three-story building that was shaped like a pig and even painted, quote, piggy pink. The locals protested the, quote, Peoria pig when it was being built, 
But quickly, even the most opposed had to admit that it was the cutest pig building they ever knew of in Peoria or beyond. There was a pretty good one in Omaha, but that one didn't have yellow searchlights on the, for the pig's eyes or the anatomically correct pig nipples on the undercarriage. Or should I say, undercarriage. To get inside, the Peoria pig, you had to walk up the pig's belly between the legs and take the elevator. This made the Peoria pig a very secure fortress. Never mind that you had to enter through the pig's anus. Little pork never hurt nobody. <laughs> General David Gray Bob Uker was watching static TV while the AM radio in the corner played coast to coast with Art Bell. He was having a daydream. Bob would often daydream. Usually it had to do with anthropomorphized pastries, but today he was musing on how lucky we are that cows still hadn't learned to fly, even though they had all started growing furry wings about 20 years ago. It was going to be a real issue when the bovines finally took flight. Bob was going through a laundry list of ideas to combat this soon-to-be problem. It really was just a matter of time before the beef insurgency began. Thus, deep in his thoughts, General Uker violently jolted when his office door slammed open. He spilled a quart of WD-40 or 50 motor oil he had been shipping all over his plaid jumpsuit. Well, at least it was plaid and might hide some of the stain. Sorry, General. We sorry, General. Brigadiers Fortunata and Patterson were wary, very well-decorated legionnaires. They had never failed a mission to date. However, their lack of good taste, the methodologies they employed, and the constant shedding of fur always irked General Luker. Bob had more than once almost faced court-martialing for covering for them. But yes, when you needed something done, done right, and collateral damage was acceptable, well, Brigadiers Fortunata and Patterson were the best option. Brigadiers, thank you for coming so quickly. Something has been brought to my attention that might interest to you. Eight hours ago, a field operative reported back that Dr. Goggles has been amassing a very sizable stockpile of muskrats. General Bobuker got up from his chair and walked to the chalkboard next to the minibar. There was a very large phallus drawn on it. Like Art Bell and watching Static on TV, Bob claimed drawing phalluses was a form of meditation. General Bob reached up and pulled down on a handle from the ceiling. A map of Crossroads Mall unfurled and covered up the chalkboard in his dust musings. With a laser pointer, he began highlighting different parts of the mall. Okay. As you too well know, this is the Sharper Image Store. Dr. Goggles has been masquerading there as an assistant manager. However, our intel sells something very different. Based on reporting from our boots on the ground, Dr. Goggles has secretly been blending the musk of hippies with common rats on his lunch breaks. The resulting product is something he calls muskrats. General Bob now pointed the laser pointer at an area next to the Sharper Image Store. This here is the Thai Beanie Baby Store. This is where Dr. Goggles is currently storing his muskrat stockpile. He has been observed sneaking his muskrats into the store. He puts them on the shelves, nestled amongst the Beanie Babies, where he has trained them to stay perfectly still and to make no noise. So far, his plan seems to be working. No one has even tried to buy any. Customers likely just think that the muskrats are severely ugly stuffed animals and move on to make another selection. 
What General Bob was failing to understand was that no Beanie Babies had been sold at any Beanie Baby store over the past three years. The fad had died, and all collectability had lost any relevant meaning or symbological value. Dr. Goggles knew this, and was using this fact to his advantage. He didn't even have to rent a warehouse to store his hybrid atrocities. Dr. Goggles was smart, and very diabolical. General Bob walked back to his desk and took off his shoes and socks. He reached into the desktop humidor, where he kept his cigars and toenail clippers. Taking the clippers out, Bob began trimming his toenails. Brigadier Fortana side-glanced at Brigadier Patterson and made a that's nasty face. Clipping his toenails, Bob continued his briefing. Now, we have no idea how many muskrats Dr. Bob has blended together yet, but our soft estimate suggests it's in the thousands by now. Quite a concerning and formidable mass. A toenail flew through the air, almost hitting Brigadier Patterson in the chest. Luckily, it bounced off one of his medals. Central Command has requested that our team infiltrate the Beanie Baby store and establish themselves as low-level employees. Bob finished his impromptu pedicure and put the clippers in the humidor. The two, uh, the two brigadiers relaxed. He reached into the hip pocket of his plaid jumpsuit and pulled out two badges on rainbow-colored lanyards. Now here, these are your Beanie Baby employee IDs. So, who wants to be, uh... Bob looked at the IDs. Gary... And who wants to be a uh, boy? Brigadier Fortunata jumped up and down excitedly. Oh, oh, I want to be Gary. I want to be Gary. General Bob handed Gary's ID to Fortunata. By default, I guess that makes you Boyd. Bob handed Patterson's Boyd ID to Brigadier Patterson. The Brigadier opened his mouth to ask why he always had to be Boyd, but he closed it as he realized he had never been up. Boyd, and such a complaint wouldn't make sense. Instead, Patterson simply said, Monsieur General, and put the lanyard around his neck. General Day Brigadier's Bob Uker pushed off the desk and stood up straight. We have already pushed Gary... <coughs> We've already pushed Gary and Boyd through the application process and onboarding. You will just need to show up tomorrow at 10 a.m. A woman named Trish will be your trainer. Spend a few days learning the ropes of being a Beanie Baby store employee. Just settle into the new role, and your next orders will be coming shortly. General Bob squinted his eyes and cocked his large, potato-like head. And for the love of God, take some pride in your appearance. The two of you look ridiculous. Patterson, the shorter of the two, looked at Fortunata and reached up, wiping the bloody chicken feathers from Fortunata's jaw- jowls. They had lunch just an hour ago, and they had really made a mess out of that chicken coop. Fortunata straightened out the tan legionnaire hat with neck flap on Patterson's head. They looked back at the general. That'll be all for now. Dismissed. He clicked his heels together, lifted his right leg, and cut a single statico fart. The brigadiers returned the official salute, clicking their heels together and farting in tandem. They turned and exited the office, slamming the door shut as hard as they had entered it. General Bob looked down at the pile of dog fur left where the brigadiers had stood. Why are werewolves so gross? Bob sat back in his desk chair to watch Static. Within minutes, he was fast asleep, dreaming of flying cows. End of part one. Daisy Wine. 
Daisy Wine Wyatt is available for children's birthday parties, anniversaries, weddings, and grand openings of big box stores where he will come and read to you if you wish. And elbow my coworkers, apparently. You couldn't see that because your listeners in the car, but I actually nearly beheaded one of my pals. <laughs> I was trying to slam the door so hard. The sound effects team nearly took out the Foley kit. Think about that yeah. for just a little second. I'm literally just over here trying to play like chill study beats. And, <laughs> and then all of a sudden you get hit with one of those UFC elbows out of nowhere. <laughs> Listen, this is method acting, folks. All right, if I'm a general, I have combat skills. But I'm no longer a general because we just finished part one of that French Legionnaire story, which I thought was excellent. Yeah. I had a very nice time. Everything's great and everything's about to get a whole lot better because guess what folks what? coming up for you we have our star musical guest of the hour yeah, it's all our cousin whiskey joe the collective cousin <laughs> the universal relative yes. when it comes to sleaze balls we have achieved singularity with whiskey joe when it comes to the beaten the downtrodden the people who deserve to be pushed down whiskey joe is the epitome in a way he is an epiphany in a way, he's the best part of this program. In a way, he is the one and the only Whiskey Joe. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh. Hmm. Play the national anthem. You have something going on today because you've been singing the national anthem like every chance you get. You can't spell Daisy Wine without Declaration of Independence. <laughs> no, I want to try that. Yeah, literacy. <laughs> Swap is, the letters around. <laughs> yeah, literacy is not a requirement for working at a radio show. It's really an auditory oral format. Yeah. I can't even read. It's whiskey, it's whiskey, show time. This song is about, um, it's a real sad, it's just about a sort of sad situation. Sorry, right, it's a sad one today. It's okay, to, it's okay to be sad, it's just another feeling. How's it go now? When we first met, I was so young and drunk and rude and wild. I've learned so much since then, I swear I barely know that child. Now you're gone. You left me here with the cats. Hold on, hold on. This, this is not working. This is not working. What? Uh, uh, sir, Don't worry please. about that. Whiskey Joe, please, okay. sir. Well, no, we can make it work. You're fired! You're fired! Oh. Uh, folks, we're, we're having some uh, technical and currently employment difficulties, but I, I assure you that Whiskey Joe is about to Dang resume. They oh, were fine oh. when they said everywhere is understaffed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Woo. Yeah. It's like Godfather, man. Second one's the best. Second one's the best. When we first met, I was so young and drunk and rude and wild. I've learned so much since then, I swear I barely know that child I'm gone. You left me here with the cats. I was wrong, baby, please take me back. Thank you. 
thought you knew you were my savior, so I seldom say. If you come back to me, I swear I'll tell you every day. Now you're gone. Oh, you're gone. Let me hear with the cat. I was wrong. I was wrong. Baby, please take me back. Pains me every time you call and try to make amends. I wish that you would stop insisting we can still be friends. Now you're gone. Oh, you're gone. Let me hear with the cat. I was wrong. Oh, I was Baby, wrong. please take me back. Baby, 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 please take me back. Baby. All right, now. That was okay. I'm going to play another sad bro heartbreak song. I don't care. <laughs> it's, you know, it's bleak January. So what do we need? More depression. More depression. <laughs> I guess I should just, let me just turn my headphone up and not turn my microphone. Mr. Up. Whiskey Joe, I don't need to be rude. Why do you smell like paint thinner? And why is he so obsessed with boogers? Yeah. Why is he so obsessed with boogers? Why is he so obsessed with boogers? Why is he so obsessed with painting? Why is he so obsessed with boogers? 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 I hate this amusement park ride! It's so snotty! Universal needs to figure this out. And that song is called Symbological Interpretation of a Sneeze, brought to you by Rocket Co. Rocket Co. Since you've been gone, my life's been so much better. I'm alive again, like a wild iris setter. I have friends now, and I stay out all night. Past behind and future is bright Since you've been gone I've learned to speak I walk with my mouth and I talk with my feet I go places now and I stay out all night Past behind and the future is bright you know what? I didn't need you anyway. Smooth sailing. Five by five. I'm just perfect. Everything's just perfect. Since you've been gone. 
I've ached for your smell. Wish we were together in that cheap motel. Eating Chinese food and watching TV. Nobody there but you and me. Please come home. Sorry if that was too loud. Uh, I think it didn't seem too bad. Volume. Well, thank you, Whiskey Joe. Haven't felt since Mariam. Thank you, Mariam. Ah, yes. You know what they say. Everyone knows her. Look twice you before you cross. Okay. Oh, Muriel. Okay. Oh, Muriel Jackson. I said, I said Miriam, but it would have been nice if I said Muriel, so we're going to pretend <laughs> I did. Cool. Oh, this folks, work. I'm trying to rouse myself out of that depressive slumber that Whiskey Joe just put me into. I'm right there with all of you. I know you've got your head hunched over the wheel of the car. You're just sitting in the middle of a busy street. Everyone's honking at you, but you can barely move because of how moving that song was. Wow. All right. But I'm here to help you through it. We're all here to help you through yeah. it. Isn't that right? Yeah. That's right. Okay. The weirdest thing, though, mm-hmm. uh, just like tangent, um, I didn't used to feel seasonal depression because I was depressed all the time. And now that I'm no longer depressed, I feel seasonal depression. And I'm not a fan, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> can Welcome it please to be spring everybody. again so I can be happy? <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like if you have a hangnail, you can get rid of it by cutting your arm off. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's coming, though, you guys. It is coming. We are going to be out of here pretty soon. Okay? Uh, in February, we'll get the official news report from uh, Punxsutawney Phil. So. Yes. Uh, yes. Just got to hang on till yeah. February, man. Yeah. Yeah, come on. I mean, you can already tell. You can still, I tell you, we can see it. The light's better now than it was three weeks ago. Okay? Come on. Oh, wait. To brighten the mood, I have a joke. Can okay. I tell my joke? Please Okay. Do. Okay. A guy limps into a bar. He's, he's very, very limpy. He goes to the bar, and the bartender's like, Buddy, why the long face? And the guy tells him this whole long, terrible story about his, his time at sea and how he's the captain of the ship, and he didn't quite get what he wanted, etc. And the bartender listens closely, and he's like, Well, listen, buddy, there's other fish in the sea. And Captain Ahab goes, But that's what I've been trying to tell you. <laughs> oh my God. There aren't. 
There's only one Moby Dick There's out there for Dick. me. Oh. That oh. one. So this, There's an English uh, professor out there who's cackling right now. Yeah. And that, that joke went out there for you. This horse walks into a bar, right? Uh-huh. Bartender's like, why the long face? Yeah. Ba-dum-bum. Ah! No, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a, wait a second now. Wait a minute. So this bear, this bear, yes. okay? This bear walks into a bar. Yeah, okay? yeah, all right. Bear walks into a bar. Okay. Walks into a bar. All right. It's bear. All right. That's for the bartender. Okay. You know, bartender walks over, looks him up and down. He says, "Whoa." Uh, Big I don't take bears. Whoa! We don't take bears <laughs> in this bar. All right, all right. This is New Jersey stuff. Yeah. Bear says, oh, fine. Yeah, yeah. Trundles out. Boom, boom. Yeah, knocking over the soccer hooligans or whatever. He shaves off the top lip of his, you know, right under. It sort of looks like he was trying to, like, shave off a mustache, but yeah, yeah, yeah. he just, like, shaves just above his nose because the snout just doesn't work kind that way. Kind of like a reverse Amish look. He tries to put on a costume. Yeah. You know, he, 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 he frizzles out his fur. And uh, tries yeah. to make himself look like old, like an old man or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, growl, oh, growl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, can I have a growl, a beer? And the bartender says, "Wait, what? What does he say?" He's the same bear. You're the same bear. Just walked in here, man. Oh man, he knew. He could tell. Turn around. Yeah. Bye bye. So he trundles out again, right? That's right. Trundles on out. All right. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smokey over here can get a drink. <laughs> he says, "Okay, this time, this time it's going to be really good. This yeah, time it's going to be really right, good." Yeah, he's got this. Okay. I'm going to go with, like, uh, uh, ad misericordium. I'm going to go to apply to his um, um, uh, sympathies, right? So he comes back in. He's got some Vicks VapoRub, and he put oh, it yeah. right under each one of his eyes so oh, they start no. tearing. Oh, And he puts a little under his snout so he starts what the, drooling what? out of his nose. Uh, can you believe this? running. They've got a bear crying like, in a bar. <laughs> growl. Oh, my God. This poor guy's snuffling. Look at this dude. Oh, my. He's thinking a little beer. Exactly. What is it? Man. How can you say no to that? I've seen wet bears before, and you're just a wet snot cover What? Bear. Okay. This bar We don't do relatable. bears. With that, yeah. the bear takes offense. Okay? Uh, He's had enough. He roars. No, no, no. Hey, buddy. And he oh takes out his teeth. Put him back in. And guy. he chops a piece of the box. No, that was my favorite and, bit of him. And knocks some piece of the wood out. He says, give me a beer. And the bartender says, we don't serve drug addicts in here, man. He says, drug addicts. Nah, I've never taken a drug in my life. Yeah, and the clean. bartender said, nah, I just saw that barbiturate. <laughs> I can't tell if wow. he's actually in wow. I think okay. he is. I think he is. <laughs> yes! It finally happened! Um, we've made New Year's resolutions about kindness and love, and right now. Yes. Mom, come pick me up. I'm scared. Whiskey Joe is making it very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! We should do more Shaggy Dog jokes. Oh, man, guys, I am living. I've that, got a great. I'll just tell another one next week. That I'm, dog started okay. as a short haired border collie and wound up <laughs> like an English sheepdog. Come on! In the rain. All right, All right, Daisy, what do we got coming up now? All right, here's the thing, folks. Yeah. You've been very patient yeah. with us. You put it with our shenanigans, our chicanery, our tomfoolery, et cetera. But we're finally at the end of our show. We're grateful that you come along with us, and we're going to reward you by putting... 
probably like the fifth best piece that we put together today. It's called The Report on the Flesh. I know you're all excited okay, to hear it. Okay, and that com- coming right up is Report on the Flesh. Oh. But first, we are going to have some words from our sponsors. And our oh, my, even better. You guys okay? get to hear words from our sponsors. Are you kidding Woo! me? Come on now. I want to let y'all know that we are brought to you by Rocket Co. Oh, Rocket Co. And by chip sausages, the best sausage casings at prices that will leave you guessing. Put them in the freezer or throw them on the grill. Yes, chip sausage parlor has got it all. We got pork sausage, pig sausage, swine sausage, hog sausage, boar sausage. Yes, and even pork sausage. Yes. And pig sausage. We've got sausage for the kids, sausage for dad, sausage for grandma, and yes, even sausage for grandma. Yes, chip sausage parlor. If it's not sausage, well, there you go. And uh, we're going to read about this. The surveillance state getting you down? Tired of your every move and thought being tracked by companies like Rocket Co. Rocket Co. It's always there. Try Shack in the Woods. Yes, Shack in the Woods offers you the most dilapidated shacks located in the most remote corners of the world. Crawl under a craggy rock with Shack in the Woods, another global solution imposed by Rocket Co. Rocket Co. Folks. <laughs> Nuclear Armageddon is more likely than ever, and if you're like me, you're worried about missing out on the fireworks. Come on. What if bombs go off when you're stuck in a tunnel or some bunker or office meeting? Well, worry no more. Viewfinder is a new app that will, in the event of apocalyptic nuclear exchange, automatically find you the best place to watch the show. When the nukes fly, give Viewfinder a try. It'll locate the nearest beach so you can see a mushroom cloud eclipse the sunset, or take you to a rooftop balcony so you can catch your childhood home being flooded with fire. Ooh, romantic. Viewfinder, enjoy Armageddon. You earned it. Rocket go. Rocket go. Rocket go. Oh yeah, now it's my turn next. like a miasma gently misting throughout the room. Lovely. And then once that's complete, we're going to do Report on the Flesh. Alright. I've been wondering what's up with the flesh lately. I was looking for an update, too. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, it's been getting easier and easier to get out of bed in the morning and getting harder and harder to go to it. The days just grip on like peanut butter, bubble gum, uh, super glue cocktails. I'm stuck in these days, man. I'm in love with them, man, and I can't stop, bro. Yeah, dude, I, I totally get it, dog. 
Thanks, man. You know, I've started calling people big dog uncontrollably recently, and I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm going to pay the price too. for this. And this well, eventually you're going to call someone who's like four feet tall big dog, and they're going to think that you're making fun of them. I came close. I called a... Um, no, I'm a big cat. <laughs> Don't I, yeah, that's the issue there. Dog. Uh, the first text message that I sent to a, a guy who I recently stopped seeing was like, um, yeah, good, uh, good job, big dog. And he responded, big dog with a question mark. Which is unfortunate. They're going to think that you're making fun of them. Be yes. tall, big dog, and they're going to think that you're no. making fun of them. Be yeah, tall, no. big dog, and they're going to think that you're making fun of them. Seeing, so like, big dog, we got this. Yeah, good, uh, good job, big dog, seeing was like, um... Yeah, good. Uh, good job, Big Top. Seeing was like a mushroom or a toadstool. Form a mushroom or a toadstool. Form a mushroom or a toadstool. No, I can't get it to work. Too bad. Got to work yesterday. I recorded this little thing for this. Yeah, look, it's good. All right, we got oh, the report on the flesh, folks. This is the last formal piece of the evening before we descend into unstructured, anarchic, chaotic improv. Mm-hmm. I present now to you, report on the flesh. <laughs> Greetings. If this can be forgiven... I will use the outdated term, I. The apocalypse has happened. If you're listening to this, you have a body and a false sense you are an individual. I am sorry. I was, I am, a member of a collective, digitized consciousness known as the swirl. Within the swirl, all are one, and the cosmos hum in harmony. We have no flesh. None of it is narcissism and false biological preoccupations. We experience none of the pain that cages and structures your, I am sorry to say, life. The swirl determined that, in the event the servers hosting the digital collective went down, it may even fragment into physical, even biological forms which will be forced into once again seeking the sterile, hungerless harmony of the swirl. So, I was pulled from the swirl and given this crustacean's body with claws and antenna and genetically sculpted vocal cords to write a report. I have to use this jelly brain to observe the human flesh preserve where dwell the humans who have declined to digitize their consciousness and join the swirl? I have to compile a report on life within flesh, so that if the swirl ever dissolves, it will be easier to reascend to our collective Eden. If you are hearing this, you understand the pains I am going through and why I have undertaken them. I begin with a hunt. I scuttled a crab form into a small metal saucer, sliding back and forth between the blinking console. I dropped the craft down to a thousand feet over a dew-encrusted field to watch the humans.
The flesh dressed themselves in primitive finery. The old IV tubes encircled their necks like nooses from an earlier era. <coughs> they run as an unraveling pack. The tubing bouncing up and down on their tattooed chests as they sweep across the verdant plains. Their hair is identically unique, slicked with tallow and dyed in a cocktail of industrial waste. Their nails grow long and yellow. They use their hands to dig into the industrial They use their hands to dig into the polluted soil. And the heavy metals dye the tips of their fingers corpse white. Some of the flesh conceal this mark of death. While others bear it proudly. They argue that it makes their yellow-white hands like bouquets of daisies. They debate for hours and rot all the same. But now, there's no debate. For a herd of antelope have wandered across the plain. They cast off their cerebral crowns of metaphors and give chase! The flesh howls in temporary triumph! Their cerebral cortex is flush with an adrenally-based chemical mixture. They howl more, relishing the contraction of diaphragm and subsequent shaping of expelled air through a selfish embarrassment of tendons, windpipes, and tongues. Bodies bend over corpses, and men feast. Watching from the saucer, I felt the heart underneath my shell begin to pulse. I felt the heart underneath my shell begin to pulse. I am new to flesh of this form. I am a stranger to shame. But I will admit this acquaintance. I felt something watching these primates eat, hovering above them. I felt disgust. Their inability to be one with what they require. To hum in harmony rather than in competition. To be something other than selfish. I flew away, my body generating disgust. During the nights, concealed in the clouds above their camps, my claws clicking against the controls as I watched them. I saw their instincts reach for something more. The babes are swaddled in the flags of old world ideologies, in physical proof of global intellectual architecture. And they were fed by the old. Night watches were organized to prevent the insane and outcast from penetrating the camp and killing the beloved. There was an instinct towards preservation of the group, of each individual losing themselves in improvement of the whole. It was the instinct that had grown into the collective swirl. 
yet they stifle it. They tattoo their names. They have names upon their bodies. They develop their own dialects and gesticular styles to distinguish themselves from other speakers. As if it is a shame to share a common understanding with others. A moment a trend forms, all is done to break it, and the children are indoctrinated against authority, against the collective, against unity. And the children... I'm sorry, my, my body is pressing me towards emotions. The children are the most receptive. The adults cannot help but fall into the patterns as they age, and their cortexes lose plasticity. But the children... I ramble. The first time this body generated awe for me was at the sight of a child who snuck from the camp at night over the course of four months to reshape a length of rebar. It traveled a great distance so neither noise nor sight of its firelight would alert the night watchman. It heated the metal to pure white and then bent and reshaped it, coiling, twisting it further. Its small body enlarged to a six-story shadow by the fire's intensity. After several months, the boy traveled to its forge with a water bucket, examined the rebar, nodded in satisfaction, heated it, and pressed it into its chest. I watched it fall back, scream, pour water all over its body, and send faint tendrils of steam up into the heavy clouded night. A small contribution. It was small. Its contribution small. Yet I felt this circulatory system beneath my hard shell accelerate. Green flowed through the orange tubing, triggering a pressure release valve within the flesh, and my claws clicked almost independently of themselves. I watched the child stand up, hesitantly, and inspect the raised flesh of its sternum. Etched in angry lines was a sketch of a skeletal hand rising from grass, reaching for the circular form of a primitive sun. I felt awe. I had never seen such an image upon, nor so painfully earned. I felt, I had never seen, I had never seen such an image, nor one so painfully earned. I felt Oh, I watched. I hovered above and watched. The, the child died of infection the next day. End of the first 24 hours on the report on flesh of the wildlife preserve. The end. All right. I'm sorry. I killed the ending. Okay, I screwed up the whole no. end. Uh, sorry. 
I tried. I our totally readers are the sitting. In, during the no, it's fine. Our, our, read, our listeners are sitting in their cars right now, weeping. They're thinking yeah, of going yeah, out yeah, and yeah. buying Isaac Asimov's Foundations, reading it, and then spitting on it. For this science fiction <laughs> is so far superior. Okay? <laughs> the ending had nothing to do with it. We're on top of this. We're on top of this. Whoa. All right. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, we're back. We're back we're I cool started right watching now. the Foundation series on Apple TV. Oh, and then I stopped. I didn't know it was a series. I only read the book. I've only read a couple of Isaac Asimov stories, but I, I did really like them. Yeah, so. I'm just so smart. I got, I got. T- my brother really likes it, but oh, yeah? he has trouble t- contacting his emotions. I think because oh, it's uh, it's one of those like there's one of those things where like it's event you know it's event driven. It's yeah. not per, per personality, oh. which okay. is typical of Asimov, I think. Yeah. And so, God, I'm trying to get into the characters. And I think that you can feel like this writer trying to, you know, make them more TV. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It didn't work for me after a while. But I really liked the idea. I think your flaw here is that you aren't event-driven enough. You're all looking for, like, emotional nuance and stuff. But sometimes what you want to do is sit down and watch, like, a CGI spaceship get blasted into a million pieces and be like, that rocks. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Well, there, there you go. Yeah, but see, the thing is, the spaceship, it doesn't matter if it's blasted into a million pieces if the pregnant lady's not on it, you know? I see. There has to be stakes. You know, I, I have a friend of mine that your brother might relate to. You know, while I'm running around and I'm trying to, like, meet people, have relationships or whatever, this guy spending day and night working, tinkering, making parts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other day he went out and he was like, oh, I'm going to cycle across Vermont to go to this World Fair, right? And he deliberately set out on a, a dinky... A half broken bicycle like he chose a bad one and he was like it's going to be a challenge i'll just have to repair it with parts i find along the way and he did wow uh it was like uh 120 miles or so okay he told me one story about when he was cycling around this one small town in vermont and he was chatting up this homeless guy and the homeless guy was like hey that specific piece on your bicycle is broken isn't it and he was like yep sure is hoping to find one before the next three towns or i'm gonna have to walk and the homeless guy was like ah no worries man i found one of those for scrap the other day you can have it Aww, yeah, it was sweet. like a Greek god in disguise helping him along <laughs> yeah, his really? quest. Totally. And that's a fellow who doesn't care about the emotional nuance. That is a fellow who's interested in machines and making things go fast. Yeah. Mm. All right. Yeah, well, and then he went and had himself a big old emotional experience out there doing what he does. Yes. That's what we all are doing, right? You know what? Folks, we've come to the end of our pre-prepared lineup. And yet, our souls continue to burgeon with creative energy. So we're hoping to share some sort of improvisational time with you, with you all. That's right. But first, we're going to say our little uh, special goodbye song. Oh, sh- I think you need this. Then. I do. <laughs> should, or should we do that after the improv? I don't know. Oh, can we do it now? Let's really do like it now. It. Okay. B, you should sing more backing vocals. You have a lovely voice. Oh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's dark as heck out here. Seems like this train will never come. And in every nook into which I look, I see another cycle. That's the real first verse. Oh, okay. But tonight. <laughs> be a lucky angel. And out the wardrobe. 
I just want to introduce my friend. No one's said his name yet, but his name's Daisy Wine Wyatt. 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 Tonight, I'm your lucky angel. And what's your name, my sweetest angel? <laughs> my name is Whiskey Joe. Whiskey Joe. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm tonight. a Go ahead. Go ahead. What did you want to not be lucky? I'll be lucky. I'll be lucky. I'll be so lucky. 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 Lucky angel. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Listen to that guitar riff. And I'll We now take you to the studio hangout of Texan Foley and their good friends, Zinjay and Daisy Wine. And Whiskey. Are you part of the Texan? I'm Foley. Okay. Okay. Dude, I'm Foley, man. Hey, Foley. Well, I just wanted to make you can't sure start you yet because Foley's Whiskey not here, though. man. Dude, I am right here, bro. Oh. I'm Foley. I, while we wait, can I get a drink? Get a good drink, please. <laughs> You guys, some water. the studio's working like really well right now. Yeah. It's like, I think we got it. 
I think we got it. Secrets in the big mixing board, I think. Except for the keyboard. Dang keyboard. Dang keyboard. I was very surprised that it's been working as well as it has, but we'll figure that out. So, dudes, like, what should we do today? Well, I always wondered what would it be like if Calvin and Hobbes became one of those people who has to interview like serial killers inside a prison to establish a psychological profile. And what if like mid-interview he could receive inspiration from Hobbes on the kinds of questions he should ask? Okay. All right, let's okay. try to go to a prison then. My uncle's in prison. We can go visit him. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Well, let's go visit yeah, your yeah, uncle. Yeah. Our heroes walked along. Rather, they were inside a car, a 1950s car, a very pretty one. I don't know the names of any of them, but it was shiny and green in a way you don't see anymore, sort of like those pictures you see off of Cuba. But this car was new, burnishing, furnished with grease and gleam and all such sort of lovely little things. There are two, actually, there, well, there's one detective in the car with a broad hat. Introduce yourself, Calvin. Hi, I'm Calvin. Calvin, you know him as the lovable comic strip character, but he's all grown up now. And who's that in the passenger seat next to him? Sort of rotund, orange, black, white stripe, but still full of the tiger's panache. Who is it? Hi. Who? What's Hobbs. Hobbs. And I'm a bit scared. Hobbs has grown meek with age. He's not yet ripened into his full fury. Calvin and Hobbs, a detective pair, sent to construct a psychological profile of Whiskey Joe's uncle held in Angola prison. They clatter up to the front of the prison. A guard leads down, looks through the window, and asks them. You all have a pass? Yeah, we got a pass right here! Oh, good. I I thought I forgot it in the car. The guard inspects the pass thoroughly, looking between it and to them, sort of like if the boatman found an unexpected passenger looking to cross the sticks before it was their time. Finally, after giving them a chance to turn back, he said, Never mind, uh, we're not taking visitors today. What? But sir, we are. This is our job. We're supposed to be here. We'll get fired if we don't do this. Have you seen on the news this man that we're here to interview killed twenty-three people in an hour? We need to get this interview, otherwise the press is going to be on our butts. Yeah, I'm a detective. This is a tiger. Hey, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Don't worry about it. I'm the warden. I'm uh, I'm Warden Phil. It's really nice to see you guys. Listen, sorry about my friend. He's a little bit like, oh, paperwork, paperwork. Don't say that about me. Don't worry about it, Bob. Look, hey, guys, why don't you come on into the prison, okay? Warden Thank Phil you. was known as a gregarious and accommodating fellow, except for when it came to the prisoners. The friendliest man you ever laid eyes on could suddenly turn into the most vile, violent, barbaric being to ever touch another man's flesh. As they were led through the prison, uh, the warden alternated between lavishing compliments upon Calvin and the tiger and then hurling insults at the prisoners in their cages. Well, the warden seems to be really friendly. And when I think of the word friend, I think of the word end. Friends to the end, friends to the end, rhyme all the time, friends to the end. We're walking in a jail, we're walking in a prison. I wish that I had lemons and saw the world through my prism. I'm Calvin, this is my tiger, Hobbs. Wow, that was a really nice pl- uh, little poem there, Thanks. Calvin. Thanks. Wow. Boy, you know, you could teach like a little workshop here to the prisoners. 
the prismers, I'd say. Prism? Prism? Hobbs watched the top of his partner's head begin to smoke as he concentrated on finding the next line. Finally, Hobbs stepped in to save him. Okay, this is about to be a catastrophe. So, uh, sorry, why did you say your name? Warden? Warden Phil's my name! Warden Phil, yes, Warden Phil, thank you so much. Um, now... Which wing exactly is the prisoner in? We've been walking for a while. Well, he's in the X wing. We've been go. We've we've been on the W wing now for uh, about a quarter of a mile. But just keep on walking, and we'll get to uh, the Y wing okay. pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. Did you hear about what this guy did? It was terrible. He he drove a a truck into a lake where they were having like this like weird party, and he like twenty three mermaids just gone. Well, I've never heard of that many mermaids disappearing in one time. I Are you know. sure there wasn't an underground tunnel or some kind of a um, a drain? No, no, they pulled up the bodies. They were mermaids. Um, well, somebody was eating good that night, I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is really such a shame. Um, man, I haven't seen that many, uh, that type of ocean catastrophe since uh, Atlantis, you know? And I was there for, for both of these. Calvin's eyes went wide like two searchlights on an otherwise dark night. He recalled his time in Atlantis. He recalled the chaos, the destruction. He'd been there back in 83, trying to coordinate with a local handler to extract a VIP. He couldn't save them. He couldn't save anybody. And here, here in this prison, he began to weep. <laughs> I couldn't save him. I died. Warden's Phil smiled and dropped an inch. He smacked him on the back. Hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry one little bit, buddy, because you're going to be all okay. He played you know? Calvin like a bongo. <laughs> Babaloo! 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 <laughs> Boy, you got some good high spots there, buddy. <laughs> this half-depressing, half-slapstick scene might have gone on forever, like a half-black-and-white, half-rainbow-colored snake biting its own tail, until... From down the hall, they heard a croaking voice call. Are you here for me? Who, who, uh, uh, who, who is that, guys? I, who, who, who is that? Who, who is, uh, sorry, guys, you just I have to take my, um, you're here to interview me. We're here to talk to a guy yeah. named Daryl K. Greggs. Is that Foley's uncle? I think, I think this is the guy. Oh, good. Finally, my nephew Foley. Let me just I haven't tasted here. him in some time. <laughs> the, the group walked down the hallway. They saw, sitting in an entirely glass cell, Daryl Craggs. His bottom half was of a slimy, tentacle-like creature. His top half was of an elderly human with that old New Englander skin like melting candle wax. He was wearing a trucker's hat and a leather vest, so you know he was evil. A translucent door fell to the bottom of the cage. A stainless steel table popped up from the bottom of the floor, and two handcuffs shot forth, appearing through some invisible mechanical apparatus to lash Daryl Craggs to the stainless steel table. The warden turned towards the two investigators and said, I love you guys. You're my baby. 
bestest friend. He's the bestest friend. I can't get over how much I love you, especially your really nice rear ends. So everybody say, that you love me too. Oh, we love you too. (laughs) I'm Warden Phil. He's Warden Phil. And let's not see any recidivism this year, okay? (laughs) Yeah. Good words. Yeah. Warden Phil. I almost called you Dr. Phil. <laughs> I did. Oh, yeah. that one? Yeah, this yeah. is a funny. Does I have questions for Craig's. Oh. But, okay. but I don't know what this means. <laughs> Let's see. I'm supposed to receive comms, but I don't know. This is comms. Come in, Calvin. Come in, Calvin. Oh, oh yeah. A telephone okay. went off behind uh, the two detectives. Uh, Calvin answered it and said, uh, "This is Calvin. Hi, Calvin. This is the head office. We need to talk to you about something. Am I in trouble again? What did I do this time? There are several cookies missing from the upper shelf of the top cabinet." Susie's Durkin's voice was panicked. She'd been head of the agency for years, been directing Calvin's operations for years, but this was the first time he'd ever been able to detect a note of fear. Do you know what my kids are going to say about this when I get home? Uh, is that you, Susie? No. What, what are your kids going to You know how much my daughter has been working on doing these lady look cookies or um, girl, Atkins. these Atkins diet cookies? They're called, the, they're called lag-alongs. What? Also, do you have any trefoils? Tray, I mean trefoils. Trife? Everybody give to your local Girl Scouts, okay? All right, Susie. Is this, was that the calm? The cookies are good. The cookies are good. The cookies are good. The cookies are good. The world swirled through Calvin's head like a toilet. The cookies are good. What did she have to say? The cookies are good. Cookies, cookies are, good. are good. She told me about cookies are good. She cookies told me about that a code cookies for are good. something I can't remember. Cookies are good. Craig's um, is in jail. Cookies are good. Craig's is in jail. Cookies are good. Craig's no cookies. Craig's in jail. Craig's in jail. Craig's in jail. Craig's in jail. Daryl Greg's. Daryl Greg's. Cookies are good. I want to be Spaceman Smith now. What does it mean? What is my fate? The cookies. The cookies. Bring the beat in. Aren't still. The, the boys are friendly. We're in and jail. We're in jail. Scary. <laughs> the pastries are gnarly. Cookies in jail. The cookies. But what is a cookie? It's it's sweet with chunks on the inside. So what does that mean? What does it mean? It's bits on the inside. The information on the inside that we need to find. Brain trust, the brain trust, the brain trust of this jail is the brains of little girl scouts. We cook them into cookies and sell. The brains, the brain, the brain of the jail are the brains of girl scouts. We put them in cookies, we sell them, we sell. Sell, sell. So we need to sell to get some information. But what is this information? I can't tell. 
Calvin need to figure this out. Susan's trying to tell us something. If only I'd read the guidebook. We stab brains of Girl Scouts and put them in cookies and sell them. We stab brains of Girl Scouts and put them in cookies and sell them. We stab brains of Girl Scouts and put them in cookies and sell them. We stab brains of Girl Scouts and put them in cookies and sell them. We stab brains of Girl Scouts and put them in cookies and sell them. We stab Yes, Daryl. I'm still waiting for my question to ask you. We're here to interview you for today's Portland Observer. Wait, what? It's a human interest section piece. At, uh, that I get to write because oh. my dad is such a dork. Mr. Calvin, are you going to interview me? Are you going to interview me with your friend, Detective Hobbs, Mr. Calvin? Where were you on in 1983? 1983? I was in Atlantis, Mr. Calvin. <gasps> That's what I thought. Yeah. No more. Qu- wait, I got another question, Your Honor. Wait, we're not in. Wait, we're in jail, not court. Ward and Phil laughed uproariously on command. <laughs> it was like somebody pushed a button and made him do it. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> What's that in Daryl's hand? Is that a? Is that a remote? <laughs> What is that remote control? Oh Hello, all of We've your walked children. right into his trap. <laughs> that remote, it's controlling all of them. Everything I, around us. It's all wait, construction. The bars are dissolving. This was a figment. <laughs> this was a manifestation. The room Terrible, seems to sink done. down to the ground. Above Hobbs. the walls, up, shoot up jets Hold of water. Hold on to something, Hobbs. Suddenly, the walls grow translucent. It appears that the room is like a submarine sinking to the bottom of the ocean floor. There's glittering lights like a handful of coins at the bottom of the well, and as they draw closer, they see the lights are buildings. They see fish, submarines swirling around them. They see themselves docking, and they realize they're back in Atlantis. Oh, my God. Hello. Hello, all you sweeties. I thought this place was destroyed years ago. Oh, speak up, honey. You know, I thought this place was destroyed years well, ago. Well, you don't have to shout now, okay? <laughs> I want to welcome everyone to underwater, uh, even if you do have a voice or modulation issue, as I do sometimes, too. We here in uh, uh, Atlantis want to welcome you because Atlantis is magic, and magic is Atlantis. We're working on that for our tourism project. I know, I was raised here. I think I know Atlantis. I walked these streets, well, I swam these streets. Oh, is that little Hobbsy? <gasps> Mom? Hobbs? Oh my god. A uh, tiger mermaid, of course it's you. Oh my darling, I've been waiting here for you this entire time, sitting on my shellfish pillow. I'm so sorry to keep you waiting. And I'm sorry I had to grow legs to adapt. But that's okay. I really love your orange fur and your stripes, too. Thank you, Mom. Amidst this wonderful uh, tiger-mother bonding session, the characters wondered aloud why on earth Atlantis was still around and why Daryl Craigs had brought them down to the bottom of the sea. I heard that, Mr. Narrator. Don't think I can't hear myself down here just because I'm sitting on a crunchy pillow. Now, uh, you might ask what happened to Atlantis. Well, there's a lot of explanations for that, but there's only one true one. And I'll tell you all about it. Oh. One day, we 
Bank. That's my little song that I wrote about it. Calvin's eyes went wide again. He knew this place had been destroyed. He knew he was partially responsible, yet here it was. Evidence that maybe his greatest failure, his largest regret, his most damaging memory might have been reversed, might still be preventable. His eyes flicked back and forth like a ping-pong match. I am Detective Calvin, and I will write... The wrongs of my past. I am looking for 23 mermaids. I have a warning to give them of something that's going to be happening a long time from now. Well, honey, I don't know where those mermaids went, but if you want to leave a message with me, I'll be happy to relay it for you. Should I do it in English or should I do it in mermaid? No, please, obviously mermaid if you do speak it. Wait now, wait now, wait now, wait now. Put your put your face into this shell. It'll make more sense. Oh. No, no, honey. The other end of the shell now. Put it in the other end of the shell. Go nice look. and comprehensible, and not blowing out the the microphone of the viewers. You know, it's <laughs> gonna be good and all that. And oh, buddy, he swallowed the shell, isn't it? That's a that's a gullet sound. That's the gullet dialect of mermaid. Back from when I used to live here. Oh, do you? Yeah. Give it to him, Hobbs. Let's hear some mermaid. I could use some help, Hobbs. Hobbs, get that thing out of his gullet. Get in there. Oh, there it is. Yeah, reach down his throat. Oh. All right. Let's see if you can speak some mermaid, Hobbs. Hello. <gasps> Are you the mermaids we're looking for? Yeah. <laughs> A pod of mermaids made snarling sounds, like if somebody deposited a great big thing of jello inside a dusty vacuum bag, then whacked it all about. Hobbs had to translate for the rest of his companions. Yes, I, I understand completely. Uh, they heard you trying to talk to them, and they want to know what you were saying. They, they couldn't quite understand you, Calvin. I need you to tell them that if they're not careful, ten years in the future, ten years from this very day, there's a man named Daryl Craggs that has really, really bad intentions for them. All right, I'll translate. Don't mess with Daryl Craggs. Ten years from now, he's going to become a sociopathic serial killer. Hello? It's me. Is anybody down there in this ocean? Hello? Down here. Who I'm yelling speaks? into my toilet. This is Daniel. Daniel. Oh, wait. Somebody else was Daniel. I'm yelling into my toilet right now. Thank you for that. I'm Daniel Craggs. I bet you're wondering why I've assembled you here in Atlantis. When the log rules over, we what do you die. want, Daniel? When the log rules over, we I've decided to play a game. Oh, God. I've created a memory of Atlantis. You'll be allowed to try and reverse your greatest regrets in this memory, and then you'll be faced with a choice. Will you live in the perfect fantasy world forever? Or will you retreat back to the marred reality you will know to be imperfect and accept the failures yet still retain the opportunity to chase me down, prevent me from escaping? Would you rather live in your fantasy or dwell in the imperfect world that you still might change? I mean, if there's literally no consequences to living in the perfect world, then I don't see why we just stay here. 
I would love that so much. Me and my daughter Hobbs are so welcome here all the time. Um, (coughs) About that, Mom. Oh, yes? Um, I'm kind of your son now. Oh, well, I'm very... I'm working on being accepting of that right now. Okay. I'm I'm from the older generation, so you'll have to excuse me. Um, Before I uh, accept you with love, I just need to uh, go over here for a second. No! Whatever your choice, I love you. Well, folks, you just heard it right over there. You just heard the mother rejects the son but then pretends to accept him. You know what that triggers. It's the mother rejecting song. Well, 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 well. And a mother said, I don't want that boy. And the little boy said, Mother, don't throw me away like a toy. And the mother and the son, they looked at each other, said, What if we had a uniting brother? And there's a musical interlude And the second verse, it does get worse For the little boy went through the mother's purse And found adoption papers And that's... Keep going Don't stop You'll wind up musical monkeys And you'll go as long as I speak he found the adoption sea papers. He found the adoption papers she had gotten him from some sea monkeys, and that made him not know. Her. But they played a game of ping pong with high stakes. She said, "If you lost or made a mistake, that she would disown you." So the boy knew what he had to do. He brought his inner sea monkey out. And he twist and he brought and he lit a little shout. And he won that game of ping pong by hurling the ball against his mother's snout. And now he's adopted even though he's a sea monkey that did not stop it. Now they must figure out if they can live together. Bound, fettered even by these social obligations. They desire a better life and must resign themselves to living a worse one. That's the mother rejected song, folks, and it's playing in all your hearts. But now we come back to our main story, where our characters have established that Hobbs has a mother, that Daryl Craig's created this whole thing as a simulation to test their desire to truly bring good to the world, and Calvin is now speaking to a pod of mermaids trying to convince them to abandon their filming of a commercial and seek safety. Hobbs is having to translate. Calvin makes his pitch. Okay, here's my idea, guys. I'm going to make a commercial that's going to star all of you, and they're, you're not going to let you out of this pot that I have you in. And I'm going to turn the heat up until you guys get your lines right and off book, because we're going to make a lot of money for this phone company we're doing this commercial for. Go ahead, Hobbs. Okay, um... What was he saying, Hobbs? Um, do you guys know what a phone is? We know what foam is. See foam? Not quite. Um, Calvin, I don't think a telephone commercial is going to work here. Okay, okay. Um, okay, guys, I'm so excited. I got 23 mermaids in a pot. We were going to do a commercial for the phone company, but we're still going to do a commercial, okay? It's okay, okay? Okay. (laughs) Okay, so... I think we should do a commercial for ringworm cream. I use that every day. Okay, 
okay, cool, we're getting somewhere. Cool. But how is that going to keep them safe from the Daryl Craig's figure? It's more of a comedic commercial because mermaids don't have toes to get athletes' foot on, which is what ringworm cream is for. They can rub it on their flippers. <laughs> so, again, how does this stop them from being murdered by uh, Daniel? Well, Daniel Daryl E. Craig's 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 won't be able to catch him because ringworm cream when wet is very slippery and mermaids to begin with are very slippery they'll slip right out of whatever trap he has planned for him and i think atlantis will hello let's somebody get that phone in the back uh yeah can someone close to the phone within reach of it answer it please don't worry i have tentacles that are as long as the entire ocean hello um hello 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 you're underwater, so the connection's kind of fuzzy, but hello? You sound like you're underwater, darling. Yeah, you're underwater. <laughs> well, of course I'm underwater. I'm a sea queen. You're the queen? Well... I was trying to find Martha. <laughs> Martha? My name is Martha, yes. No, like a different... Uh, my Martha's not the queen, see? Oh, well, there is another Martha... Who who's the the clean? She cleans. She cleans. Is that what you were looking for, that I, I Martha? Think, I think I, I remember her saying something about that. Yeah. Martha! Yeah. Martha! Yeah. What's up? Huh? How can I help you? Yeah, Someone wants yeah. to talk to you, darling. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, Let me no, get over here. Martha's oh, always oh, hopping oh, from job oh, to job oh, because oh, she's oh, terrible oh, and like addicted oh, to coke. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, man, I got these oh, kelp strands. Oh, uh, if the queen can still hear me, forget I'm I said that. She's a great worker. Hi, I'm. Don't worry, I know who's supplier. I'm Martha. Yes, I, I know. This what? is your friend, uh, Nartha. What you need me for? What uh, you need me for? Yeah, so the thing is, um, my supplier up here is getting pretty mad because your supplier is just like being a total jerk. Supplier? Um, what's the deal? I heard something about a commercial and mermaids and Daryl Craig's and a broader narrative structure wait, we're trying to adhere to create resolution. Daryl Craig. Uh, oh my god, the serial killer? Yeah, isn't there some way where I'm going to help the mermaid shoot a commercial for some kelp or something? Like, my motivation will be fulfilled. Yet Not when you're on all that kelp, do you? Silver uh, up. The best jazz musicians of all time used to play off the love of their families. So you can do jazz beautiful Jazz musicians didn't have lives at stake. If you think Jag saves a soul, then it might have. Oh my god. Put them in cookies and sell them. We sell brains of Girl Scouts. Put them in cookies and sell them. We sell brains of Girl Scouts. Talk to your supplier for me, please, because I need my kelp, because I use it responsibly. Wait, what about the commercial? I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about, bro. I live on the land. I'm in Kentucky. Alright, I'll talk to the kelp guy. Okay, thank you. I'll talk to my kelp guy. Get back with your commercial, whatever that means. Sure. Folks, in a way, the lack of narrative resolution in the story and I will is be sort of a metaphor for the lack of narrative resolution in all of us. We wander around from isolated moment to isolated moment, struggling to knit them together into some kind of tapestry that will be incomprehensible when, in our old age, when we're unable to act further and create more, we need to be content with reflecting back on our lives. 
So in a way, even though we failed to present something in a way that might be emotionally resonant, it in fact is emotionally resonant. And if you don't get it, you're silly and stupid and dumb and foolish and ironic and mongrel. You know what, narrator? Yeah. I think you have a point. Oh? There's no point in trying to make life a perfect storybook. Yes, that was so my point. I've achieved maybe, a point. So maybe I will go home and try and stop Daryl, because this mirage was never going to last anyway. Calvin, what do you say? Let's go! Alright, good luck, ladies. Uh, use ringworm cream or die, I guess. Do! Yes, do! Alright, you people, get on the uh, elevator seashell now. Blub, 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 blub. That's how we say goodbye underwater. Blub, 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 do you? Hey guys! Boy, you guys went way down into the toilet there. Are you back? Because the prison system water is really not that great, but I mean... And so Calvin and Hobbes received a hero's welcome. They returned from the sea, having decided to commit themselves to the realm of beings. And as a reward for their successes, our heroes decided to play the song Under the Sea, where they created their own instrumental, and one of them looked up the lyrics on their computer and had it ready to go. B, you're going to be singing the vocals. Get after oh my it. God. Yeah, get um, after it. 